have a passage this evening as a prologue to my stray thoughts, and it's from, uh, from Padmasambhava, and I may, I may get this a little bit wrong, but he said, my, my mind is as vast as the sky, but my care for the effects of my actions is as refined as barley flour. And this speaks to the, uh, the equal importance, besides learning to recognize the intrinsic luminosity of the mind, the, the, great, uh, the great perfection, the, the innate freedom that is the natural state of our mind, to realize that, we, that the nature of our mind has no limits, no height, no depth, no color, no shape, it, that we are in our innermost nature free, beyond birth, beyond death. Uh, besides learning that, we also need to pay just as much care to the effect of our actions. And I just uh, finished leading a retreat, and there are several people here tonight who were on retreat, so welcome. Hope your transition is it's not just an integration, or not just a disintegration, but an integration. Uh, hope you're landing smoothly. And at the end of the retreat, as we do all the time, we we talk about how to make the transition to daily life and how to incorporate uh, everything that comes at us when we come off of retreat, incorporate it into our practice. And I, I reminded everyone on the retreat, and I think this is something that's still useful for people who are, have not been on retreat, that when I thought over the years that I had to somehow take my little practice, just little me, into this big world where it wasn't so safe and it wasn't people aren't, you know, sometimes I call it a Dharma desert. When I thought about having to deal with everything with this little precious jewel that I called my practice, I often would feel overwhelmed and anxious and it felt, the way that I constructed it in my mind, it felt like an impossible task. Now, you might even, as you even hear this, it sounds pretty ominous, doesn't it? It's really huge to try to keep this little fire burning in this world that where it's not so, uh, perhaps not so supported. But I thought, saw that, that that whole way of experiencing coming out of retreat was, uh, part of the challenge of it was the way I was thinking about it. And then when I realized the more I practice, the more I realize that, uh, that I never go anywhere. I don't, do, I don't go from retreat to, you know, that's a conventional way of looking. I don't go from retreat to daily life. I don't take my little practice out into the world. I am always, always, and this is true for everybody, we are always, no matter where we're going or how fast we're moving, we are always exactly where we are. We are always right here. We think of ourselves as going from the past, moving through the present on our way to the future, but nobody really goes from the past to the, through the present and the future. That's just a whole little story our mind tells. What truly happens, where we truly live, is right where we are. So I'm walking down the road, I'm right where I am. I'm driving down the road, the things are coming by, I'm right where I am. 
I'm flying, I often fly all over the place to lead retreats, but I'm always right where I am. I never have ever, and none of you have either, we have never gone anywhere. (laughs) Some would say that nothing has ever happened. We've only dreamed it in this unfolding present. We've only and always been here. So when I saw that, The whole idea of taking my practice into my life, of going somewhere with it, started to seem not not actually true. Not really true. What was more true is that at the end of the retreat, the scenery changes. Things are going on around me, and I'm always here, a lot faster, especially when I'm driving 75 miles down the road. Uh, 75 miles per hour down the road. (laughs) And different, when I come off of retreat into my daily life, to the workplace, to the, to my family, to whatever it is that you, that you, uh, that visits you, you're always right where you are and the, the people change, the scene changes, the answering machine, the computer, it all shows up in your present moments. So I reframed it in my own mind to thinking of everything in my life coming into my practice that always stays here. And that took away a huge amount of anxiety because I realized that that, what was causing anxiety was, was leaping into time, leaping into the future, leaping into just this whole virtual version of myself. What relieved me was to know that I never, ever have to leave the present moment to do everything that I do. That somehow that made me relax. And then when I realized that I never leave the present, I realized that no matter how much I have to do in my life, what, what is to show up the next day at work or the next, next week at the, when I have to travel, I have a whole, you know, I've got a lot going on this fall. And I'm scheduled literally through 2015 already. Now, if I thought about all those places I'm going to go and all the things that I needed to do, it's overwhelming. But when I really look at it, all the planning for that takes place in the present moment. Never had to go anywhere to plan. All the remembering of the last year's schedule and how to work that out, all that takes place in the present, too. And all, and all the things that present themselves as they go along, it happens in the present. So I realized, okay, even though I'm going to do all these things, how, how much can I do in the only moment that is really real, where I actually am? How much can I do? I can do this moment's worth, can I? So how many of you tonight can know that that you have a, a, a huge to-do list, but you can only be here right now. That, that even if you have a whole list, you can only fulfill it by how you... You can only take care of one moment's worth at a time. You can't take care of the last one. Why? It's gone. Can't take care of the next one. It hasn't happened. But you can take care of this one. So no matter what your to-do list is, you can, you can handle a moment. So start bringing, this is, my, this is what's really helped me. Fortunately, I said this to the group yesterday, and one person 
came up to me, one person, that's all it took, and said, I got it. They said, if I got nothing else the whole retreat, I realized, oh, I, I don't have to go anywhere. Just have to stay where I am. And she said it solved a, a riddle that had been plaguing her for years and years of practice because it was so hard to make the transition. And there was, she was just beaming with the joy of realizing she only had to stay where she is. I don't mean the body stays where it is, but the mind, even when the body's moving fast, it's just right here, 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 right here. So it may sound simplistic, but it's the, um, it can't, it, we're, we all want to be happy. We all want our stress removed. Uh, and yet, it's here also that we we see that all of our actions take place. All of our thoughts take place here. The whole world that we construct in our mind takes place here. Our words take place here. What comes out of our mouth? The impulse to speak comes out of our mouth. Our jobs, what we're doing, the engine that's driving them, Greed comes here, hatred comes here, delusion comes here, love comes here, patience, compassion, everything happens right here. It is, it, everything revolves around this, what I described on the retreat, what I often do describe as this open field of creative possibility. This instant here is everything. It is the hub around which everything of your life revolves. It is the place, it is the, it is the source of the fruits of everything that you have done before. It arises in this present. It is, this, it is the womb out of which your future present moments unfold. This, this is the place. This, this is the, a meaning of emptiness. This is this moment is empty. It has no inherent it has no inherent meaning or value, and that depends on what seed you plant right now, what you do with it. And Padma Sambhava says, keep your mind open right here, keep that field open, but keep your care for the effect of your actions as refined as barley flour. And I say this all, everything I've said up to this point, I say because uh, I would like this to be, I'm making a big proclamation, <laughs> I would like this to be the first night for those who are interested. As the Buddha said, ehi paseko, openaiko, pachatan, veditapu, winyuhiti. For those who are interested and can be taught to come and see for yourself. So for the next 100 days, this is the inaugural day of the next 100-day retreat, daily life retreat. What, is, what happens in your mind when I say daily life retreat? Does it seem scary? Okay, notice fear is like this, pressure is like this. Whoop. How tough was that? Now what are you experiencing? That faded quickly. Now, had you not been mindful of that moment of anticipatory anxiety or pressure, or whatever that may have conjured up, that could have created an internal pressure because it's not slightly unpleasant, those feelings. And then it would have sparked a little 
a little narrative in your mind, oh my Lord, I don't think I can do that, and um, I'm just too lazy, whatever it is, and we could have been, we could have easily been off on a, on a fantasy of a version of ourselves that doesn't exist, a kind of dreamscape of us being bad yogis, not making it a hundred days. And, but if you realize that it was just, that it's just a hundred days of present moments, the same hundred days of present moments that you've had already, but rather than turn those hundred days into sleepwalking, which we normally do, into being obsessed with what's next and toppling forward and missing our life, why not turn the hundred days into an open field of creative possibility and plant the seeds of, and in this case, I'd like to focus this hundred days on harmlessness, on non-harming, on acting wisely with your body, with your speech, and your mind. Acting, acting in a way that does not cause harm. Now, this isn't always easy. I, I have a bumper sticker on my car. Many of you know this. In the back, it says, do no harm. And soon after I put that bumper sticker on my car, I went zooming down Highway 101, way past the speed limit, and a friend of mine, a friend of mine saw my, um, saw this car driving by very fast. She saw the bumper sticker, laughed, and then she looked up again and she saw it was me. <laughs> and this, and then she quickly told me that she saw me zooming down the freeway, driving too fast. And it, it made me realize that this do-no-harm, if it wasn't going to be hypocritical or whatever, what's the word? Maybe that's the word. I need to really take this to heart. I really need to, to look at this. And I have proceeded to look at that sticker and contemplate it a little bit every single day, for the most part, since, I've, since I put it on the car. And I really have to the best of my ability, dedicated myself to doing no harm. And I, I see being harmless as much as I am able to. I see it as a, as a practice. I see it as, a, um, as a, an inquiry. And just an example of it as an inquiry. The first basic training precept that we take on and commit to is to having a reverence for life. Having, not causing harm, not killing living beings, not killing our own spirit, having a real respect for each, each living thing. And in the face of that, I look at the times that I can so easily and unconsciously, sometimes unconsciously, say, I want a burger and then go out and eat a burger because i think my body needs my body needs flesh food or something and i can easily fall into a kind of entitlement a kind of delusion that i'm entitled to kill another or have another living being killed for my pleasure for my for my sustenance and this is a very complicated issue doing no harm and it's one that everyone has to resolve and clarify on their own because if you really look at nature I, I don't know if you've watched the BBC much. The BBC often has these documentaries on animals. 
And one of them that, that I've seen now three times that just, it's so hard for me to watch. And I see that's why I can so easily go into denial, that it's all about predators, that nature is filled with predators. One being eating another being, and this is how the world goes around. Everybody depends on, on eating, or, eating or being eaten. And so this is nature, and when I see these beings who don't want to be killed, killed, it just, uh, my whole system shudders. And it's just hard to take in. And so I have this deep value of non-harming and not killing. And then I can be unconscious and go eat a burger. And it, it doesn't quite compute when I open to what I'm doing. And it makes me, when I'm really sensitive to it, it makes me uh, at least inquire into what I'm doing and maybe even make the, the determination not to, uh, not to eat flesh food, not to eat any being that doesn't want to be eaten. So it's, so it's not so easy. We can speak flowery, oh, may all beings be, may nobody cause harm upon another. But um, are, are we willing to look at it that deeply? Please. That was the first thing I thought. I mean, we're close to the first thing I thought about when, you, when next hundred days do no harm. I thought, okay, well, that means not eating meat. So, the, so. I mean, is that that's Tanya that's, said? Does that mean not eating meat? I mean, I, I know that sounds like a very basic question. I don't actually. No, I'm saying that this is that that this is something that you have to, when we talk about the precepts, they are not commandments. They are training guidelines, and they are they're areas of inquiry. They're areas of study. They're areas of, of discovery. And I think you have to find out for yourself whether that's a workable proposition. Please. Somebody gave you the, flipped you the bird while you... They did. And my daughter was in the car. And instead of calmly driving by, I rolled down my window. <laughs> I screamed. I shouted at you. And then in front of my daughter, she repeated me after. <laughs> <laughs> did everyone hear... <laughs> Well, this hundred days is going to be very special for you. <laughs> did you tell that to yourself? Never replicate what I did today. <laughs> Not to be exactly. That's part of wise speech, and I was just talking about um, not killing. But we, the one of the training guidelines is to not cause harm with our speech, and to to say, and when it comes to with all of the training guidelines, with all of the practices of harmlessness or non-harming, the key is to really reflect on the value of doing that which will bring, doing that which brings about a greater sense of well-being. To ask yourself, am I doing, or do I want to do that which brings a greater sense of well-being, 
or do I want to plant the seeds that bring more uh, dis-ease and suffering, either to myself or another? And to really reflect on that deeply, over and over. That's this period is a, mo is a time of reflection and then a, a time of care. Jen? When she was a graduate student, she flipped someone off. In traffic. And, um, in traffic. This was long before my Dharma days, but um, as I saw them, they were a person that would be in my program. <laughs> as she saw the person, it, this was in her, in her college years, she realized that it was someone that was in her program. And so I was pretty, that kind of cured me. It cured her. <laughs> yeah, watch who you flip the bird to. Marlena. Do you want to take the, will you take the mic so it gets, so everyone can hear? I was just going to say that I can one better that, because when I was in graduate school, I um, was crossing, this was at Berkeley, and I was crossing one of the streets by the campus, and this car kind of zoomed past me, and I was in a crosswalk, and as it zoomed right in front of me, the driver honked. So, of course, I gave him the double bird, and screamed out, you know, F you, a-hole. And um, as I did that, as the car was going by, I realized it was my professor <laughs> waving at me and getting this, like, look of dismay on his face as he realized what I was doing. And I was going to his class at that moment. So anyone else like to confess their delusions? Jen, please come and use the microphone. The whole world is listening. Um, but what I but what I originally wanted to say was that um, you know, with regard to doing no harm, that um, you know, if you really think about it, it, the truth is is that as a being in this world that we're in, it's impossible to be here and not be doing some kind of harm. And and I think that what I noticed is. Um, it's important not to feel like we can't exist in the world, you know, and not, um, you know, feel like we're, we are here. And so I think, for me, the inquiry is about um, how can I, knowing that, that my very existence does do harm in the world, how do I do that? Skillfully, and what's the where's the line? Yeah, where's the line? Yeah, how do we deal with knowing that we cause harm just by our very existence? Yeah, this is the as the as the Buddha described. Are you okay, Noemi? You need a someone to. Please, in the back. Yes.
You protect people? Have a good, have a good time. Did you have good timing? Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. Dharma, Dharma just means the way of the way things are, the truth. The, everything you said is Dharma. You, that was really beautiful, and I'm so appreciative of your presence and your and the, such a beautiful intention for your life, and and to, that you can that you know the stories you you know the difference between reality and the and the stories your mind. It's just beautiful. I I don't want to change a thing you said. Yes. Beautiful. And great. Just well, hopefully you'll find that you'll feel safe here and and this is really, this place is an open field for anybody of any shape, color, form, and, and all parts of you are welcome here. So please uh, make yourself at home. And, yeah. So I wanted to, okay, one more comment, then I'll go back into it. Yes. 
Thank you, Spirit of the Deer, for giving up your life for Yes, but even if you do, it, it would be a good thing to remember. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So the um, so I I was I, I, our time is almost complete, but I just wanted to say a few more things because I, I really wanted first we'll be we'll, we have a hundred days to go through all the training guidelines, and I hope all of you in your own way will reflect this week on what it would mean to live your life in a way that is constantly but in a relaxed way vigilant about what of your actions of body, speech, and mind are, um, are causing suffering in your life, which ones are bringing about more well-being, and to, to really pause, make that sacred pause, realize that you don't go anywhere, but that you have, by virtue of staying where you are, you have that opportunity to uh, see what you're doing, and usually when there's more awareness, more heart, available to see what you're doing, you're likely to plant seeds that will bear more wholesome fruit. As Hafez said, you carry all the ingredients to turn your life into a nightmare. Don't mix them. You carry all the ingredients to turn your existence into joy. Mix them, mix them. And I was thinking today, when I thought about this 100-day period, where that includes finding somebody who you can check in with about what you're doing to practice harmlessness, whether it's about speech, whether it's about livelihood, whether it's about sexuality, whether it's about substance use, whether it's about uh, uh, telling the truth, whether it's about gossip, whether whatever level that you are that you are attending to and bringing your heart to, find somebody that you can share that with, and it'll give that much more energy to it. And then to take three times a day, which is more than most people do, to sit down and, and, and come into your body, settle into your heart, stay there long enough to where you actually feel the, the blessing of presence, where you feel the blessing of, of being aware, the blessing of life right where it's touching you, and then reflect on what seeds you're planting. So three times a day and and dedicate some point in that period, dedicate it to taking care with some aspect of, of non-harming called sila. And I just want to give you just a few words of background. One of my motivations is when I met this uh, wonderful Indian teacher named Anagarika Munindra. Some of you know this story. He said to me, he saw that I had a generally happy disposition and I was, you know, he knew I was a, a good meditator and all that. But he looked at me and he said, may you truly be happy. And that just struck me in the heart because it, it um, something in the, what he said and the way he said it reminded me, well, I was, I, I had a lot of good moods, but was I truly happy? And the teachings asked me to look deeply into our understanding of happiness and we may have a happy sangha. Remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago. But are we truly happy? And truly happy means that we, we emanate, we emanate the bliss of blamelessness, that, we, that 
that we use our delusions. I love the way everyone here confesses their delusions. It, it is a great practice, and it brings joy to the heart. But do we, do we allow that to become the, the cause for truly practicing day in and day out, uh, non-harming, and being, you know, turning our lives and our relationships with each other here and and everywhere uh, into that sense of I have nothing that I regret, I have nothing that I feel uh, I that my presence is so clean that no one has to be afraid of me, that no one has to defend themselves. They may still project all kinds of things on me. But it's not, I feel at home in my skin. I feel my actions are congruent. They're authentic. They're true. And, they, and I know that I'm at least every day, except for that which I can't help doing by being a human, the harm that I cause, that I'm planting the seeds uh, that bring joy. And I'd like for all of us to be truly happy in that way because the, at least the way the Buddha taught it, that that sila, or ethics, morality, is the foundation of being able to wake up at all. And if we, don't, if we don't have that foundation, it's said to be like trying to row a boat without untying it from the dock. You just, your mind will be unsettled to no end. And that unsettledness has a lot to do, has somewhat to do with misperception and inauthent- being inauthentic in an innocent way, but some of it has to do with the effects of what we've said, done, and thought about. It's unsettling to act in a harmful way, the memory of having harmed. Just as it's so joyful to think of, of the times that we've been generous and kind and patient and compassionate, all of that, those are the things that plant the seeds of joy. So for, for each of us, if we truly want to be happy, we have to have that foundation. Otherwise, you can't meditate. Your mind will not still. It will not steady. Your, the light will be shrouded by the, cloud, by the cloud of confusion. But if your mind can settle, if you lay that foundation of harmlessness, your mind will become clarified, and it's that that becomes the seed to wise understanding. Then you see what's going on. You see what you're doing. And, you, and it's through a clear mind, an open heart, that the deepest understanding of the nature of the heart is revealed. And then we, we can truly say, done is what needed to be done, I'm truly happy. And I see that evolving in everyone here. Uh, but let's, I want us to be able to say, I am, we are truly happy, a truly happy Sangha, not just a happy Sangha. Anyway, thank you for listening, and thanks for your 100 days of practice. We'll put something on the website to give you some guidelines for following, but it will be all around harmlessness. And just think about it this week, what, you will, what you'd like to intensify in your own practice of non-harming. Just think, first of all, I, I make the commitment to refrain from killing or bringing irreverence to life. I commit to refrain from taking that which is not offered from stealing, having a, to practice generosity and contentment. I make the training commitment to, uh, to not cause harm with my sexuality, to only connect with goodwill and with caring and love. 
and I make the commitment not to cause harm with my speech, to tell the truth, to say what's true, useful, timely, and for the benefit, not to gossip so much. Maybe not at all. Of course, 90% of your communication will disappear. <laughs> I make the training commitment to refrain from taking intoxicants that cloud the mind, that lead to heedlessness, confusion. I commit to clarity of mind and openness of heart. Thank you so much. May all beings be touched by our um, foundation of goodwill. May all beings uh, be liberated. May all beings live with ease. Thank you. Thanks for your generosity as well. And leave you with Meister Eckhart. The outward work will never be puny if the inward work is great. So please, practice. Thank you.